Hey, what's going on? And welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour, a show where we talk to people about interesting things in the world of pop culture. And this week, we have got uh, somebody you might not know, but I think you need to know. His name is Jesse, and he's from the band Ken Mode. Now, what I love about this guy is he takes the world by the balls and does what he needs to do to get his band further ahead. And he also has got an incredible brain when it comes to everything business. So I think you're going to really enjoy our conversation with Jesse from Ken Mode. Welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour. Uh, first off, we want to thank our sponsor, Heartbeat Hot Sauce. I am holding up the Louisiana-style Poirier edition. This is the first hot sauce they did with Dustin Poirier, UFC champion, who is uh, about to fight, actually, in November in New York City. Um, I absolutely love this one. It's on the spicier side of things. Actually, it's about a medium, but uh, for some reason, this one has a lot more of a bite than some of the other heartbeats. Um, definitely try Heartbeat Hot Sauce, and if you use my promo code ROCKMAN20 right there, you'll get 20% off your entire order. Uh, also want to thank Studio House Designs for keeping us look fresh, looking fresh, I should say, and uh, my buddy Ryan Stick, co-host and editor extraordinaire and all-around great guy, is wearing his Biodome shirt, which I know you absolutely love. Ah, uh, yeah, man. I never thought I'd have Justin Bieber's wife's dad on my, f my chest, but here we are. Justin Bieber's wife's. Yeah, the Baldwin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. You yeah, the wife told me know. that because I I don't know who any of these people are, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I know the right Baldwins up, are. I'm right up there with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, I I I uh, really really love Studio House. Uh, I love these new blanks. Have you noticed the shirts are a little bit different? I, uh, you know, they kind of, they cater to the upper, uh, natural physicality of s the specimen I am here and, uh, you know, don't highlight too much where it all went wrong here. So I really like these <laughs> shirts, you know, very comfortable. So go check out, uh, studiohousedesigns.com. Uh, great guys, uh, great company out of uh, Philadelphia who are, uh, are wonderful. And I think you and I are going to actually meet them in the month of March. We're going to, uh, maybe go down to a uh, monster mania con in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and maybe uh, finally meet Cody, who we've never really actually met, shared physical space with. But definitely share uh, studiohousedesigns.com and uh, grab some of their shirts. And Heartbeat, of course, we want to thank both of them for uh, always supporting us here at the podcast. All right, Jesse from Ken Mode. Now, did you know anything about Ken Mode before this interview? Uh, absolutely. Well, absolutely nothing, but I've known, a, I didn't know anything about Glass Tiger and a lot of other bands that we've uh, interviewed on the show or you have interviewed right. on the show. And it's, um, it's been really cool to go into it because you know, it's incredible, dude. It, it's not even nuts. I look up Ken mode and I, I hear their music and I'm like, God damn, my friend Sergio probably would really love these guys. And my friend yeah. Nick and the, and the Trigger Effect guys, man, they they would love this band. So lo and behold, when I start editing the interview, I see that he's wearing a Turbo House logo. And uh, Turbo House originally was the Trigger Effects jam space that they turned into um, a low uh, price venue so people on tour can have somewhere to play and somewhere to make yeah. money, actually. And then slowly it got bigger and bigger. And they had this amazing location that I saw your band play at um, yeah. one. And uh, now they have this amazing place on St. Denis. And... Um, Sergio from uh, 
Trigger Effect teamed up with the amazing Michelle and uh, Dan. And uh, yeah, Turbo House is uh, definitely a must-see and a mainstay in the Montreal music scene. And uh, I loved this interview so much because you really touched upon how and what Turbo House had to do during the pandemic in order to still function. Uh, Man, I like this interview a lot, dude, because I, I feel like this guy, but I took my touring boots off, but he still kept them on but i have the same perspective of people coming into musical genres that they kind of like don't understand claim to know everything about and (laughs) you know throw their weight around and leave profit and leave just as fast and uh i i as as a seasoned person who's getting up on there i can really appreciate the hilarious bitterness No, no, definitely, definitely, and 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 it's um it, well, it's just nice to it's nice to talk to somebody who's been there, who's done that, um who who's found a way to work in music and uh, and 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 help on the other side of things. You know, I don't want to give anything away because all will be revealed in our chat. But um, but yeah, I know there's a lot of interesting perspectives. If you're someone that is um interested in touring eventually or getting into a band, I think you'll get a lot of harsh realities in this interview, and you'll see what it really takes to be in a band. So uh, without any further ado, here's our chat with Jesse from Ken Mode. Hey, man. How you doing, man? Good. You got your merch behind you. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> you're, just buried in- you're committed. <laughs> <laughs> My office has turned into an absolute joke. I've got the, the newest t-shirts behind here, the LPs over here, CDs on the floor. Dude, if I could show you the other angle of this, this looks all neat and tidy. The other angle of this is just a complete shit show. So I yeah. feel you. <laughs> I feel you. I need I need to get on tour so I can clean up my life again. <laughs> and you can sell some stuff, get rid of it. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. Um, well, thanks for taking the time to chat, man. Um, yeah, no worries. Your band has been one that I um I actually first heard about your band when I was getting tattooed um at DFA. Oh, interesting. That's um, funny. <laughs> and it was, and it was, um, and it was Sean Arsenian that kept yeah. singing your praises and was just like, my boy, if I, you know, I was doing a whole chess piece and I remember I would go there regularly if he didn't have a, you know, if he didn't have the band playing or if he didn't have a t-shirt on, or if he wasn't working on a piece of art for you guys, that was where I first got the seed planted. Um, and then I went and I started just looking into the band and I was like, fuck, this band is really good. Um, so <laughs> this so guy's I, not full of shit, is he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a really rad band. So, so tell me a bit about, um, the connection to, uh, and I see you're wearing a turbo house shirt. Like there seems to be this connection to our city. Um, uh, there seems to be a connection to the music scene here. Like, tell me a bit about how that forged. The funny thing is we had historically had kind of a patchy relationship with Montreal up until we became friends with the great Sabatini. Right. It seemed like every show we'd play, we didn't really know what we were going to get. Like, in theory, a lot of the stats said that we had a decent number of fans there, but no one would come to the shows. Yeah. I remember playing a show with engineer in, what was it? That tiny little venue that uh, Godspeed runs. Is it Casa? De Popolo. Oh, oh yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, um, uh, yeah, I know Casa de Popolo. Sean and his wife April were like two of the only people there. It was like we we put on a killer show, and so did Engineer, but there was nobody there. Right. And I think that's the night that we met them, and that might have been in 2010. And in 2011, we played with them, and we did some dates out uh, from like Ontario through. I think we got all the way to PEI and back. Um, and became lifetime friends with right. these guys. 
And I know they hooked us up with the Turbo House crew. And then we started having actually okay shows in Montreal. And pretty much since then, we only play at Turbo House because like, why would you go anywhere else? Right. I hear you. I hear you. It's like, it's kind of like cheers. Everybody knows your name. So it's a good, exactly. it's a good feeling. Yeah. It's been funny. Every time they move, we're one of the earliest shows at the new location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I remember when they had their venue um on Notre Dame which is really close to my house and um I I I you know I play I don't play music much anymore but I used to be in a band and uh, and I remember we did a show there and it was just phenomenal um we loved it cuz we played a place that we could have you know we could have sold that place out three times mm-hmm. probably and it just felt so good to play this tiny venue and it just it had this vibe um and it was because the guys who ran, ran it are you yeah. know are are guys that are from that kind of a scene where they understand what it takes to run a good venue. Um, and I remember when they moved super excited and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so, awesome. but, but what was great was the rally of support that the local scene, um, you know, showered them with everybody mm. wanted to make sure that turbo house existed because it's an important venue in the city for, yeah, you know, yeah. and as you say, you know, someone who's not from here, you, you can recognize that and you can understand that. So, um, yeah, there's not a lot of venues. I mean, I'll, <laughs> Everyone was trying to figure out ways to make money when the pandemic hit. Sure. And there's not a lot of venues that I went like, I'd wear their merch. Yeah. Turbo House was one and St. Vitus in New York was the other. I yeah. bought I bought shirts and actually Turbo House had those little tiny shorts. And yeah. as soon as I saw those, I'm like, I have to own those. <laughs> I That's like my summer uniform. Now. I yeah. wear them all the time because actually at the beginning of the pandemic, my partner's a tattoo artist and she tattooed my whole right leg. Because yeah. she couldn't do anything else. So <laughs> I uh, I basically got those little shorts to showcase my full leg. <laughs> I mean, those those shorts, like I, I think it was a combination of people wanting to support and, you know, just the way Sergio modeled them. It was just, how could yeah, you not yeah. want to get them, you know? Exactly. But they were so short that like a nut would fall out one side if you weren't careful. Yeah. And that's what I love about them. <laughs> after that, after that, I had to get a new bathing suit because I needed a bathing suit that was really short too. <laughs> Yeah, there's that freedom when you go that short, man. There's no going back. I'm all in, man. I'm all in. I'm from an era where you know the shorts went past your knee, and um, but now now it's like the shorter the better. <laughs> so um, you know, I I always cheered for bands that were. I, I, I'm a big you know I'm a big post hardcore kind of guy. I, you know, I grew up loving quicksand. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's and and I've always been of the mind of you know when you find that band, they're your band, and you want to hold yeah. on to them until. Is you know for as long as you can, and there's so many of those bands that I could name now. You know, like Quicksand would be one of them. Far, um, you know, Fireside. Like, there's all these bands that kind of had that vibe, but you wanted to just keep them to yourself because you didn't want everyone liking them, which is really counterproductive for the band because you, the band wants other people to like them because they want people to come yeah. to the show. But, but it seems like Ken Mode's one of those bands that you guys are right on that brink of people are starting to re- you know recognize the name. You you got you're starting to get accolades from your peers, but I'm sure there's going to be this angry group that are going to be like. No, there are Ken Mode. How do you deal with that? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever get beyond that. If, if no, I'm being honest. We're 23 years in, and I know when we started, everyone called us a band's band. Yeah. And it, it's funny this time around again, because it's like we have a whole new generation of younger people who were still very much a band's band. Yeah. Um, everyone, I swear, like, Nine out of 10 new people that I notice following us on our different socials, you go to their page and it's like, oh, plays in X band, plays right. in this. Like it's, it's, it's all people play music. Right. Just, we can't escape it. And I mean, I guess 
if there's one good thing of the pandemic is that everyone and their dog started playing an instrument. So um, may- maybe that will be helpful to us because people who play seem to appreciate what we do more than people who don't. I don't know. But it'd be nice if uh, I say it'd be nice if casuals got into us. But at the same time, I don't care. <laughs> No, I think I think at the end of the day, when you're when you're that far into your career, you know, when you've been playing music that long, um, it's just nice to have people that appreciate it, whether it be music. And and yeah. there are and there are always going to be these bands that are those musicians' bands. Um, and and I think that's a good place to be. I mean, it, but it is nice when you have those casuals that do come in, like you said. Yeah. You know, and, and, on the on the and, on the flip side of that, it is weird to see casuals coming in to a genre like ours like we're, we're seeing it we saw it in 2018 when daughters got all that hype yeah and then we're seeing it again right now with chat pile getting super hyped because you're seeing i i'm noticing all this stuff because stuff because we're obviously doing an album cycle right now too sure. leading up to the release of null in september but seeing people saying like yeah the two best records i've i've heard this year are chat pile and beyonce it's like motherfucker you're not from our scene <laughs> It's, it's, but that's the world we live in now. And, 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 you know, I'm really, I'm an open-minded guy. You know, I've got two kids um, and my daughter's got impeccable music taste. It's, it's just fun to see, you know, all these worlds colliding because in, in, in essence, you know, if you, you should be able to appreciate stuff from every, every genre and yeah, um, yeah, uh, it was very much so I'm just. But but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's very varied now. From my from my perspective, it's particularly in, entertaining because, and I've talked to the chat pile guys about this briefly. Uh, that like we kind of went through this ten years ago when sure. Pitchfork like sung our praises and then subsequently shit all down our throat. Yeah, and the same stuff happens where these people are super into you and then they're super over you, you know, man. Like, yep. All right. Yeah. Fuck I, us. We, we just suck now. No, you gotta, you gotta love the people that stay with you and that are on, you know, like right before we chatted, I, I was talking to Jim Kerr from simple minds and I've been a simple minds fan since, you know, I'm 51. I, for as yeah. long as I can remember, I've been a simple minds fan and you know, I will be until I die. And when you have these people that stay with you for a long, long time, it's a nice thing. It's also a rare thing too, right? It is. Like it is. I mean, I I have this happen all the time with many of my favorite bands. Like, if you can establish a relationship with an artist that you like, even a pocket of what they're doing for five years, like that is a special bond. I think a lot of people end up getting entitled at that point, where they feel like, well, this band is my band, and I'm along for the ride forever. And as soon as they take a misstep, it's like a betrayal. Yeah, it's like, dude, you don't understand that what you connected with there is a truly special thing and you should cherish the fact that you had it at all as opposed to being enraged that you don't like the no, that, that's a good point you're right i mean just appreciate because like nothing lasts forever right and no. and to have some you know and there are times where you you might enjoy a band and then they kind of fall off and you're you know out of your radar for a bit and you don't necessarily like where they're going and then they have that big comeback where you're happy again because they're back to their roots but being an artist you know i'm an artist as well you have to go out and take some chances sometimes and you and you're not necessarily going to be the same person you were 23 years ago and if you are something is very very wrong right <laughs> I, uh, I think one of one of the coolest things for for artists now is um it, it, i mean it can be a, a blessing and a curse and and talking about getting casuals to your shows you know tiktok is very powerful now um and i yeah. see it with my with my daughter she gets in the car one day when i pick her up from school and she's like dad do you know this band Deftones? And I'm like, 
it's like the fucking yeah. the light. It was like, oh, it's like, do I know Deftones? Yes. And I'm like, well, how do you know Deftones? She's like, well, there's a song, Be Quiet and Drive, that's just so popular on TikTok now. So I ended up bringing her to a Deftone show. And oh, cool. that was an amazing experience to have my daughter, you know, her mind just be blown open by an app because people. Yeah. So when that kind of stuff happens, um, and I imagine, you know, that if it hasn't happened, it's going to happen because that's what the world is today. People will grab stuff and it's, everything's available. You know, when I was growing up and I imagine when you were growing up, you'd have to go to a record store and there were gatekeepers that oh, would, they would let you know about stuff. And if you were cool enough, they, you know, and that whole thing is it's, that's been obliterated. Now it's just, you can find anything. You hear the slightest thing in passing conversation and like, well, I don't know boom. And you can just do the research. And so in a way it's, it's great, but, but there's this credibility that kind of gets lost where you're like, oh, like you, you can be a Beyonce fan. And then all of a sudden hear a, a Ken mode song. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like shitting on people with diverse tastes. Oh God, no, 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 no. It's more no. so a commentary on the, the, the type of borderline hipster approach. Where like they they clearly aren't understanding what they're scratching the surface of, and I right. mean if they're willing to dig deeper, I'm I embrace with open arms. Hundred like percent. Yeah, I love to educate people on the world of music that we are a part of. It's just generally speaking, they have absolutely no interest in <laughs> yeah. in going past what has been told that they should check out. I got I we got it before too. Like when daughters was getting hype, people would then reference that you're ripping off daughters. It's like, we've been around longer than they have. Yeah. yeah. Like, can you please dig past 2018? Yeah. Like they're ripping off the same bands we are. So <laughs> please just dig back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And and I think that's, what's fun about the, the world today is that we're, you, you are able to dive deep and, and you can, you know, you can get into a band overnight and and find everything about them and, and immerse yourself. So in a way, it's a benefit for the artist because yeah. you know the if the person has the willingness, it's all there in front of them. Oh, hundred percent. It is funny how how to a degree the the newest generation. It seems like an attitude thing where they they don't trust anyone older than them, but they also treat it like they're in, discovering these things and therefore inventing them being popular for the first time. Yeah, where it's yeah. like this. Yeah, they're treating, I know, especially I've seen a lot of Gen Xers complaining online about Gen Z, making fun of them for being old and trying too hard, like yeah. with punk and metal and stuff like that. It's like, we've been doing this for Pro. 40 years. What yeah. are you kids talking about? Yeah, I know. It's a very, it's a very interesting world to, to, to have lived in, a, in, in the old world and then to come into this new one where judgments pass so quickly and, and everything's yeah. just, it's just so fast. But, you know, I do believe that it's, it's like a pendulum that swings and it comes back. And, um, but, but I think if anything, the whole positive in all that is that it does bring more eyeballs to you guys, whether it be negative or positive, it still brings yeah. more attention. It'll be interesting. I, yeah, I, I know it. Right now we're in that point of the record cycle where it's funny because I'm I'm doing more interviews and talking to people because we're in that what the the month countdown right but like the singles themselves get less attention which is funny yeah you get that like first big splash with the first one then usually sure. the second one gets some decent buzz and then I've always found that like everything after that pre the the actual album release has diminishing returns in a big big. Well, it's hard to keep the momentum going, especially in the yeah. world where, you know, attention spans are so limited and they're so fleeting. And I mean, even from my own perspective, it's like, stop giving me, giving me singles. I don't care anymore. Just give me the whole album. Just give me the whole album. I just yeah. want the whole album. Yeah. Please. Can I have the whole album? Yeah, I know. I know. I, I know. Cause when you, when you want something, you want all of it. And, and I'm the same mm -hmm. way when I, when I can hear a record 
in advance and I can hear something, it, 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 it does make me happy. Um, so speaking on the new record, are you in terms of like gearing up and being able to tour and all that, that's all fully back. You guys are able to go out. You're on that cycle again, right? Or are you still kind of iffy about it? Seems that way. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't operate as the same band we did say 10 years ago. Right. Um, we all have full-time jobs and we have a, a limited window that we can go out and do the thing without our, our home life and jobs completely falling apart. Despite the fact that three quarters of us are self-employed, but we have clients, we have responsibilities of course, uh, of course. we have to deal with. So yeah, I mean, and, and having not been on the road for over three years, it's I'm I'm not going to lie, we're a little bit stressed about not only setting everything up to be able to to do this thing again, but like how well we're going to be able to cope with the stress. Like I'm, I don't know, throughout the pandemic where everyone's online, you're used to needing to react to things immediately. And yeah. when we go out on tour, we're not going to be able to do that uh, unless we want to drive ourselves crazy. So, right. but in, in the, the context of actually like being ready to do the thing, I, in theory, we're ready to do the thing. I hope our work visas get uh, approved. <laughs> Those are still in the process, but yeah. Uh, that that's also you know that's always the stressful thing is that you know before the pandemic it was stressful to get everything going but now just that extra layer that i've had i've seen bands have to go through you know i have so many friends of mine that are in touring bands and you know whether it be someone in the crew gets sick and then the whole tour stops whether it be it's a bubble i can't see you i'll wave from it's just so weird but yeah. there's but i think there's a level of understanding where people are just appreciative that things are back and whether there's precautions you have to take or not it's important that that people realize that where we were a couple of years ago, none of this was happening. So there has there is that positive side where it's like, okay, good. At least people will be able to see Ken Mode again. Yeah, I mean, if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> I think we put together some some pretty good runs of dates, so it's it's worth even for casuals of our band. I think it's worth coming to check out because like Frail Body Rips, the Western Canadian shows with Val Creature and Mares of Thrace, those are going to be good shows. We made a conscious effort to try and find really good regional support in, in all the different spots. So like, right. I know Scott and I have been laughing that we're going to go broke just from buying the bands we're playing with merch. Like we basically <laughs> treated this whole thing as a shopping spree for ourselves. So <laughs> I love it. I hope other people dig the shows because I know yeah. we certainly are. I, 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 yeah. And that's all I can do. All I can do is, is try to put together shows that I'm excited about and hope that other people are. Speaking of Mares of Thrace, we had, um, we had, uh, I forget her name now, but we had her on. The, yes. We had her on the podcast and, uh, she sent me one of the CDs with the, with the booklet that she, that she handcrafted and everything. And it was just, I, I love talking to her because she really, really had a great attitude about where the world was music wise now. And she was just so excited to get out and tour again. So I'm sure having her on the tour is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're old, old, old friends. So it'll just be good to, to get to spend a couple of days hanging out. That's, that's the way we're looking at it here. Right. I mean, she, she played bass for us for a tour back in 2011. So. Oh, did she? Oh, that's great. Yeah. We've known each other forever. So you mentioned that you guys all have other jobs. What's the other thing that you do? Um, Shane and I run a company called MKM Management Services, where we provide business services and accounting services to larger full-time touring bands. So okay. we work with bands like Protest the Hero, Propagandy, Comeback Kid, stuff like that. We're 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 providing the the business side for for bands that people actually care about. <laughs> okay, so so you so what's great about that is you guys really have an understanding of 
bottom lines and 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 budgets yeah. and stuff so you can use those skills so i imagine a band like protest the hero is going to look at a band like you guys and say hey wait a minute these guys were able to make things work we've got to get them because they know how to save money and they know how to do things right it's got that's got to be that kind of an attraction that sort of stuff is always funny because like i mean all those bands need accountants and all, all the all yeah. the other shit and like when you look at uh the types of accountants that are in the music industry mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> most of them are all a certain type yeah like they're they're all trying to be you know kind of cool yeah and we never claim to be cool and i think that has always been a detriment to us as musicians um but when it comes to what we do for a living it's an asset and the fact sure. that we're used to sleeping on floors like I think that does legitimately give us credibility in the scene that we're a part of. Cause like, you're not going to meet a lot of accountants that spent like 10 years sleeping on people's floors to save money for the sake of their art. Like not a lot of people understand sacrifice period. So yeah, I mean, and it's for us, it's just fun getting to do the boring shit in, in a scene in an industry that we actually care about. I'd rather be doing this stuff for say, Silverstein than for a grain company. Right. Well, that's it. And you know, I think sometimes when you're a musician, look, I, I was, I was a musician for, I was a touring musician for 11 years full time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 my band, we moved to Los Angeles in 99. We got a deal. We did all like we did all the touring stuff. We did, we did everything we could have ever imagined to do in music and open for everyone we'd ever wanted to open for and play with. Yeah. We did everything except make money. so i I understand it but i think what's great is when and it seems like you have a very healthy attitude about it when a musician can still be a musician still find a way to create but find a way to work and use the skills that they've they've they've, because you do when you tour you acquire skills and you you seem to have been able to take these skills and make a living from it which is great because you're still working in something you love and i think what, what what happens to a lot of musicians is that they get this thing like, I need to be a touring musician that performs. I'm not doing anything yeah. else. And it's like, well, buddy, if you want to still be able to perform and stay in it, if you can find another way to use your skills, you'll find that there is some joy in it. But it's just that ego deflation that needs to happen with artists. Yeah. And the huge missed opportunity with a lot of those people is that like people in bands don't understand what they're running as a small business. 100%. And you legitimately can get your own masters in business by running your, your band. business yeah um but so frequently they just want to hand that off yeah uh, be- because it's boring doing yeah. it correctly and learning how to do it is hard and it's boring just like going to school right and i mean the only reason that i guess that shane and i are doing this now is because we went to school first and then toured like idiots yeah which is backwards from the way everyone does it. But um, when we burnt out, we decided to to roll back to our schooling and and try and do the thing for the the community that we're a part of now. Because I guess that that was really that is ultimately the barrier to entry with that sort of thing, right? Is you how are you going to get started in the business without any contacts? So not that like touring was an end game for us to try and weasel our way into getting day jobs, but Right. I mean, it was kind of in a way, this, this was a weird long game that I played when I was like 19. Yeah. And it just so happened to kind of work out. But so. I think it's, I think it's great. And I think obviously, you know, 
there are going to be opportunities that are going to come from that. You know, I mean, you, you probably have gotten some shows because of the relationships or, and even if you haven't, it's still great that you're able to be of service and help people in your community and in your industry and, and do it from a point where you're not, listen, I've had a business manager, um, that wrote checks and yeah. forged our names and and we got robbed and we, we had all that and where, you know, there was $30,000 that was missing. Like what, like I've been in all those situations. So when you can have people that you work with that trust that you can trust and that get it, um, I think that's great. So obviously the service that you're offering is something that people are going to, they're going to embrace with open arms. If you're, if you're with the right people. Yeah. And it is funny telling bands, uh, different ways of putting things like in the business context where it's like, well, there's like what you should do and what the punk rocker would do. So like, take that into mind. It's like, we're part of the punk community for all intents and purposes. And that's, that's usually the filter we try to put on when we're dealing with clients. Like, yeah, if, if I want to put more money in my pockets, this is what I do. So you got to pay attention to this shit. Do you ever have to say things to clients that they're not happy to hear, but after they end up saying you were right? Oh, of course. <laughs> it's funny because my brother's always the black hat. A lot of the time I'm the guy who helps bring in money for them. And sure. he, he being the accountant, uh, like a, a licensed chartered accountant, he's usually the one who has to give bad news to everybody. <laughs> and, and it is what it is. But like, I mean, I'd rather get that kind of news from someone who actually gets it than just some soulless fucking suit, which... <laughs> <laughs> that's usually why people come to us because they're afraid to even ask questions and i it is funny because it is i don't know i don't know why accountants have this like knee-jerk reaction to look down on people but i think they just they do yeah i think it's out of fear i think it's just a fear thing and and i think sometimes when you peel away the fear and you, you realize it's just a coping mechanism and sometimes you know at, at the end of the day people can always see eye to eye if they're willing to put a bit of work in i'm, I'm a firm believer in that and no one likes to work <laughs> Have you, have you, uh, you know, I, I want to, I don't want to talk too much about this, but I do want to, cause I find it very interesting. Have you ever had a client come to you where you and your brother looked at yourselves and said, holy shit, I can't believe we're going to work for these guys. A little bit, mostly when we were starting. Yeah. You, and you don't have to give me any names. I guess the B side, the, you know, the second part of that question, is it weird when you see their business dealings and you're like, holy shit, this is, this definitely peels the veil back <laughs> a little yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of like, I, I could give you a great example for the one where I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm working with this dude. When we first started, I, I, I linked up with Luke from Gorguts to do okay. some great work to help them out. And the fact that I was working with Gorguts was like, dude, yeah, holy shit. Yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> and Luke's the best, but he kind of, he disappeared on me. Well, if Luke's listening. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. He, uh, and I mean, he, this is very much the way he's been in the industry for, for ages when he's working on music or not actively touring. He, he kind of just goes off the map and right. that's, there hasn't been a lot coming out of that camp. I know they've been working on a record in some degree. I don't know if anything's been recorded, but they've been pretty quiet for a while. I think the last thing they put out was 2015 or 16, might've been 15. Holy shit. Anyway. So were you guys able to take the pandemic and make a positive out of it in terms of stockpiling music and stockpiling material? Uh, in a roundabout way, yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, the whole thing to, to call the pandemic a po positive experience is ridiculous to me. But yeah, in the context of this band, um, we wrote and recorded two albums at the same time. 
Right. And I learned how to demo material on my computer for the first time, like properly utilize right. like a digital audio workstation. And I, I'd never known how to use that stuff. And I, mean, I dabbled in 2007, but like the, the environment that those exist in are, is drastically different now than it was in 2007. So it's, it's way easier. All computing power is considerably higher. Like, yeah. So it, that was really cool that I had time to get into that stuff. Um, and I mean, that's a, a skill that I will use going forward. I just need time to be able right. to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have two records. We made two records. We're putting the first out in September, and then the second one, the Void record, will come out next year. Nice. So in a way, you're ahead of the game, which is nice. Oh, big time. Right. But it is weird submitting two albums in January of 2022 and just needing to wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, look, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Um, it's it's great to be able to to dig a bit deeper. I mean, obviously, we could sit here and talk about music, and and the music is important, but it's nice to hear other sides of things too. Um, and I think you know, you seem to have a really healthy attitude, and and you seem to have found a nice balance um, between, hope, a, between a work and a, and a creative life. And that's <laughs> and that's something that's pretty enviable because not a lot of people have that. No, and I mean. It's just like anything in, in life. You got to you gotta work to achieve these sorts of things because, I mean, there are obviously things you can fall ass backwards into, but <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a balance like this is definitely a labor of love. And we, we got here over the course of 20 years. So I'm just thankful that we got here. Cool. Thanks for taking the time, man. Thank you very much, my man. You see, I was under the impression and people always told me that musicians were dumbasses. Yeah, but then, you know, know. You, you would yeah. see these things about, well, uh, KISS have uh, university level education and can be teachers and have been teachers. And Alice yeah. Cooper, of course, one of the smartest and David Bowie, one of the smartest rockers in the world. But generally, when you think of punk bands, you kind of just think of like, you know, fuck you, man. And yeah. uh, it's it's you'd be surprised how many uh, intellectuals there are in, in that scene, including Jella Briafra. But it's real. I've never heard of accountants. I've heard of people being well read, but I've never heard about people being that good with their own money. And that I know. was very stimulating, man. I, yeah, I yeah. love this interview. <laughs> no, no, I think it was really interesting. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of smart people in punk rock. Uh, there's no doubt. There's a lot of smart people in music, too. It's not not necessarily just the people on the business side of things, but I think it's really smart when you can actually be someone who can be a musician uh, and also handle the business of your band. And that's what that to me is, is something that's really attractive. And, and I think that's what, um, that was my biggest takeaway in this, in this chat was, uh, the fact that there are people out there that can really keep their band as a business and still get the creative, um, outlet that they need and, uh, make the two marry. And it, it was, it was really interesting. So glad, glad we got yeah. a chance to have him on the show. Yeah. It's really fascinating because in punk rock, I was always under this impression that making money is selling out or, uh, yeah. just making, just making sort of anything of yourself and trying to elevate yourself to a certain position is kind of like what a poser would do or something. But when you see him being in a band for 20 years, it is a necessity to be able yeah. to self-sustain yourself with your merchandise, your CDs and everything. And how many people have been totally screwed by someone they trusted with their money like thousands hundreds the biggest stars in the world all have this story and yeah. to them considering they know so much about their own money you think they're going to hand their money over to somebody else when they're like kind of experts in the subject i, I don't know, think I so know. 
No, I th- and, and I think it's uh, like, you know, if you've got someone in the band who's who's an artist and they can do your album covers or someone that's, that, you know, that has a T-shirt printing company, all these things help when you're in a band and anybody in the band that has a skill that lies outside of music, but one that you need to to do certain things, it's always a plus. So this is definitely an interesting chat for that. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Uh, definitely a great hot sauce company out of Thunder Bay, Ontario. And uh, if you use our promo code ROCKMAN20, right there you'll get 20 percent off your entire order thanks to the folks at studio house designs for always making us look fresh um and also thanks to uh my co-host ryan stick who is eating his t-shirt right now our producer julia kajerski and all of you and uh don't forget if you like this podcast please um like this episode subscribe share this wherever you're listening or watching from just make sure that you are um signed up to get all of the um news that you need so subscribe on whatever platform you are and you will not miss an episode and we appreciate you we really really do it's been a great journey we just recently uh, celebrated a year of doing this podcast and uh, we show no signs of slowing down even though both ryan and i um at this point in our lives would just like to lie down somewhere and just quietly go away it's just not going to happen <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, being on this journey with us and we will see you uh next time on the rockman power hour 